passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Welcome to Rewind to Raw. It is John Pollock here alongside Waiting. Hello, Way. Hey, John. What's up? How you doing? I'm doing well. How was your Monday? It was good. Yeah, pretty typical, um, but nice. Yeah, it was good. How was yours? I, it was good. It was uh, it was busy today. It was um, it was a very late night on Sunday. I was I was pretty exhausted after we finished our, our show. We went very long on Forbidden Door. Feels mm-hmm. like a long time, uh, 24 hours ago. But uh, that whole post show is up. Two hours of us discussing uh, what was a pretty uh, great event from AEW and New Japan on Sunday. Yeah, and that seems to be the consensus from everybody, not just us. Uh, it, you know, many people I think say thinking it's one of the best shows of the year. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of positivity for that card, uh, despite. Uh, Mixed mixed thoughts going into the show. I think it, it certainly delivered in terms of bell to bell wrestling on the show and one of the hotter crowds of the year that they had mm-hmm. at the United Center in Chicago. So that is up and we just dive into a brand new week. And here on the site, we're going to have many shows coming out this week on Tuesday night. We're back. It is Rewind Away number 113 exclusively for Post Wrestling Cafe members at all levels. And we're going to be chatting TNA Destination X. 2012 that was chosen by our espresso executive producer and we go to the summer of 2012 where austin aries invokes option c to cash in the x division championship for a shot at bobby Roode. this card also sees kurt angle versus samoa joe in the bound for glory series and a last man standing match between aj styles and the man that is accusing him of infidelity and fathering a child AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. Yes. Yes, of course. The lovely Claire Lynch storyline. I look forward to diving back into TNA just shortly after its 20th anniversary. This was actually, you know, Claire Lynch stuff aside, this was actually like a pretty great run of TNA shows at, at, the, at this point. Just some of the names that I listed there are sort of front and center that they're they're pushing very significantly. And I do remember this being like a pretty strong period for TNA where um, kind of all met in, in the uh, the Claire Lynch stuff and then everything kind of uh, petered out afterwards. But it's a it's an interesting time period in TNA. So we're going back 10 years, 10 years as we were enjoying the last couple of two hour editions of Raw before they would move to three hours. Oh, geez. Wow. That Is that? Go. Yes. For everyone that's celebrating uh, 20 years of John Cena, 
next month, we're celebrating 10 years of three-hour Raws, if you can believe that. I, I can barely believe it. Wow. Yes, I feel it every 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 single week. I I note the uh, the latest week that we are celebrating yet another uh, three hour edition of Raw. So uh, all of that is coming up this week uh, for patrons. You will also get the latest edition of MCU later on Thursday night with Way and W H Park episode four. How's Miss Marvel going so far? I I listened a bit to uh, our good pal Ahmad hmm. last week uh, who who joined you guys. Yeah, what did you think? Um. I listened up until you were like getting into like the specifics of the show. And I just, I don't have any connection. I'm not watching the oh, show yet, it. but it was uh, interesting nonetheless to hear from, from a mod and uh, the discussion you guys were having prior. I've loved it. I, I think it's been one of their best Disney plus series and um, we're just getting started. I think this is only episode four that's coming up right now. So yes. I think we, uh, or I guess halfway. So still feels like we have a lot of story left and I believe Karen Peterson will be joining us. Oh, this okay. week's edition. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I've started Stranger Things, the new season. Oh, I've been hearing a lot about it. How yeah. is it? Long. Um, not bad, but I mean, each episode is like, it's like the length of a movie. Like, I, re- I have to like book time off work to watch this show. It's mm. very difficult. Like, the first episode's like 88 minutes. I'm like, I don't have 88 minutes. Commercial free. TV sitcoms might be more your pace. You know, right? I think I, I cap at like, you know, your, your 50 minute television episode that's i'm good at i will give you an hour of my time anything more above an hour that's a lot and i give a lot of my time to this program on monday nights so anyway um i'll let you know in about three years when i finish stranger things uh, how it's going they're getting sure. older yes all right um and then this weekend we will have the money in the bank post show saturday night we'll be live here at youtube.com slash post wrestling and then Sunday, um, it will be delayed. They will not be doing a show Saturday night, but they will be recording a show Sunday. It's Phil Chertok and Eric Marcotte going through UFC 276 that features Israel Adesanya and Jared Cannonier for the middleweight championship. And then we have the third fight between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway, where Way has just been at the edge of his seat. He cannot wait for this Thrilogy between Vol- Volkanovsky and Max Holloway. He has some very strong thoughts on how Holloway is going to look in fight number three. So that's coming up uh, Saturday night on pay per view, and then Sunday we will have the post show from Eric and Phil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always a busy weekend here coming up at Post Wrestling. So today, um, obviously, the big story was uh, New York Magazine's uh, Abraham. Uh, Reisman, who put out uh, a pretty lengthy feature uh, concerning Vince McMahon and the allegations that had been made against him. Uh, This goes back to 1992 with former WWF referee Rita Chatterton. And that's probably a name that I imagine most people listening to this have heard the name of. And I guess it will depend on how much you've dug into this story that you would know the particulars of. But I mean, in a nutshell, um, you know, for for the last thirty years, she has kept an extremely low profile. Um, that despite like the accusations that were made at the time, like she has not uh, spoken much, if at all, uh, publicly in the in the last thirty years. But did speak on the record here, and and this comes, of course, after you know the recent uh, report on on Vince McMahon that has led to him removing his title of CEO and chairman as he's still running creative, and. You go back to, to Rita Chatterton and the the original story, this this surfaced at the time when the WWF was embroiled in several scandals and centering around the, the whole Ring Boy scandal. And then this story came to light 
And I remember first hearing about it when, when I was in high school. Like I was not following um, you know, the day-to-day news at the age of eight in 1992. Uh, but hearing about this story, um, Rita Chatterton had gone on uh, Geraldo Rivera's show. And he was doing two shows at the time and had outlined that in July of 1986, accusing Vince McMahon of sexually assaulting her in a limousine. She had, she had started as a, as a female referee, and in 1986, she had gone up to Vince McMahon and wanted to speak about her career, feeling she wasn't being used enough, and went to – it was at a diner that she alleges Vince McMahon was at with a number of people, <clears throat> and it led to – Vince McMahon taking her aside and wanted to speak in private and they end up in Vince's limo. And that's when she goes in pretty graphic detail about what occurs in this, in this limousine. And it was years later in 1992 that she went public with this and it led to a lawsuit being filed on behalf of Vince and Linda McMahon. And pretty much in the lawsuit, they outlined that Rita Chatterton, they, they alleged, um, had fabricated this story and working with uh, David Schultz, who was you know featured on Dark Side of the Ring, very very well known wrestler as Doctor D, who th- those two had worked with a private investigator and alleged that they had fabricated a, a fraudulent recording of her um, telling this story and outlining it pretty clearly in in the lawsuit, which I, I did go go through again today. And the lawsuit ends up – it doesn't go anywhere, and it just gets dropped after you know Vince McMahon is dealing with the steroid distribution trial. And that's kind of where the story uh, goes away. Like when she had come forward in 1992, the statute of limitations had, had run out, and so she could not press charges. But obviously this could be very damaging. And her public interviews were, were limited to the two uh, Now It Can Be Told, which was the kind of news magazine style show that Geraldo Rivera hosted. And then the actual Geraldo Rivera show where she recounts the uh, the alleged sexual assault uh, in a studio environment, too, which if you watch it, like it's 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 a pretty difficult watch uh to see her, you know, recounting the story uh, in front of a studio audience. Now, in the article today that came out, she she was not willing to go into the details of what happened in that limousine. And but someone who corroborates the story is former wrestler Mario Mancini, who the two of them were, were, were friends going back to when Rita Chatterton broke into the industry. And he did speak on the record to New York magazine and said that in 1986, after this happened, he saw Rita by the ring and went up and talked to her. And she told him everything and burst into tears. And he was very concerned because he had told her earlier to stay away from Vince. And in the article stating that um, pr- pretty much alluding to the fact that there was that there was worse stuff that that happened. So it, it's a very tricky story. Um, it has. First of all, way I'm curious if you if you have gone through the story, and this is one that I mean, this did not spread everywhere like the Vince story of several weeks ago. Um, you're, you're talking about a, a story that is over 30 years old, and and as well, I, I think that th- this is one where I don't know if a lot of people are going to jump on this story, if they're going to be uh, talking about it, if there's going to be further reporting to it, but. The big takeaway is that there is somebody else that went on the record to corroborate the allegations and and 
citing the the timeline that it was in the summer of 1986. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I did read the, the article, and um, I I think a story like this, you know, um, so much of I think what what's going on right now is WWE trying to manage their PR and trying to make sure that you know. Um, no matter what happens, I think legally, like I think the court of public opinion, um, when it comes to so much is, um, in many ways as valuable. Um, and something like this is, is a story that's just kind of been dangling and left out there, you know, for many years without, uh, much investigation and follow up. So uh, this seems like it's, it's a, an appropriate time to maybe get some momentum behind possibly being able to find the truth. And I, I hope that, I mean, I don't, because of the statute of, of limitations, I don't even know if that's possible right now. Um, so I guess that's sort of my question. Like, where do we go from here? Do we just leave it up to the journalists to try to figure out more interviews? What What is it? Well, I, th- I think, first of all, um, I think it's worth noting the fact that, you know, the, uh, New York Magazine, like they reached out to Vince McMahon through WWE and to Jerry McDivitt and received no comment. And 12 years ago, when Linda was running for for the Senate, um, there was an outlet called Talking Points Memo, and they were revisiting this story. And they got a pretty stern reaction from Jerry McDivitt, uh, pretty pretty much stating in not so many words that if if you uh, publish these details, we are going to take every legal recourse that we have and was very, um, very strong in their response about um, denying that this this happened uh, this time around. There was no comment from for, from either of them. And you can take that uh, for, for whatever you want. You know, going through going through the case or the lawsuit that was filed in 1993 by the McMahons. I mean, it was not just um, like they were outlining uh, this is. This is defamation. This is untrue. Like they had a pretty sizable breakdown of why they believe that this was a fabricated story. And this was a conspiracy that David Schultz had hired a private investigator in 1988 to get dirt on Vince McMahon and that had recorded. It's it's a very involved story. And we're probably going to get into this more on, on Tuesday. But I mean, in that lawsuit, when you read it, like. It was always a, a story that and going up to the, the talking points memo comments from Jerry McDivitt that was pretty adamant about wanting to fight it. But at the end of the day, they did drop the suit. They did not pursue it further. Um, you know, you can take that as, yes, Vince was embroiled in a in a gigantic um case that was going to threaten his livelihood um, with the steroid distribution trial and was had to focus his resources, but it's, it's not like they ever revisited this uh, and and went back to it either. So that, that's another point of, you know, what, what you glean from that. So they should, you know, supposedly have all that same information that they have in their defense. If they chose to go against the New York Yorker, for instance, for publishing. Uh, For, for New York magazine Um, magazine. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not as though the New York, what, what New York Magazine, like the new information they are introducing is through Mario Mancini. And if you read right. the article, like the actual details of the alleged assault, they're relying on her story 
from 1992 that was said mm-hmm. on uh, with Geraldo. He she she did the in studio interview, and then for the magazine show, she was interviewed by the reporter, which was actually Geraldo's brother. So it's those two interviews, and that's what they're relying on for direct um, descriptions of of the alleged assault. Um, because she she would not go into it here, uh, nor did Mario Mancini use the word rape, but does you know uh, according to the writer the uh, d- describes it in a in a way you would uh, associate it with. Mm-hmm. His corroboration is um, stating that he was present after Rita Chatterton. That, that Rita Chatterton his- told him about this at the time. Yes, right. that's that's his his story um, mm-hmm. as well. So I, I don't know if this is one that is is if there are just enough um, if there's going to be a lot of red flags for for media that that look at this story that are not going to touch it um, that will look further. Um, but it is you know it, it's it's a very ugly story from Vince McMahon's past that is resurfacing and it does have a new added detail now with with Mario Mancini um, putting his name to this as well beyond just one person's word in Rita Chatterton's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, like we like we saw, I think with a, a story like the plane ride from hell, some of these stories are just kind of lingering and out there. And I think it's really reliant upon, you know, the people that are creating the work around it, whether it be uh, the writers or the people that are researching for these um, TV shows to maybe find some new information like this person, uh, his interview to for us to at least, you know, have have an awareness of, of what the allegations are. And I, I would love to know what their defense is if they have one. Yeah. Um just uh, also that was outlined in a 1993 lawsuit from the McMahon side is that someone who is attached to a quote unquote TV show contacted Titan about damaging tapes. This would have been the um, the, the descriptions on, on tape about Vince McMahon and if the company wanted to buy them and Titan stating they refused to participate in the blackmail blackmail scheme and that Chatterson's side. This is again from the McMahon side alleging was willing to take five million dollars to not speak publicly about it that is in there it's two and um that's uh that's about it but they do the the new york magazine the present day article that came out today um it it is rita chatterton on the record and stating that as far as wrestling goes i guess i'm the first in a lot of things as far as i know i'm the first to come out with the whole issue of what a scumbag he is and it's uh, mario mancini which was his work name uh i'll tell you why i'm hopping on the bandwagon now there's worse stuff than that and that is how the article ends. So I, I don't I don't know how much this is going to uh, blow up in terms of a story, what attention it will get. Uh, just looking tonight, it was you know largely just this was confined to you know New York Magazine putting this out. Um, I think the New York Post wrote a story tonight on it, and that would uh, Business Insider put out a story, and that's kind of like the the non wrestling specific media that I saw covering this story t- today. But we'll see if there is more in the days to come but uh did not did not prevent vince mcmahon from showing up on television tonight no not at all yeah i mean seeing it on yahoo news as well new york okay. daily news um so i mean it is picking up some attention so we'll we'll see yeah um and yeah um it, it it doesn't seem to have changed i think what he wants to do with his appearances on tv Tuesday, we'll talk about this a bit more, and David Bixenspan is going to join us on the post-daily news show. So we'll talk about this story a bit more and the history of the, of this story because he has covered it pretty thoroughly over the years. So that will be at 1 Eastern on the post-daily news show. So we'll move over now to Raw. 
from Laredo, Texas, which was very much the John Cena show for three hours and fitting him in all over the show, which I mean, when you look at the the amount of tickets that this guy moved, like this show was at around, I think, uh, like 3,500 tickets were out or something. And then they announced Cena and there were over 8,000 uh, tickets out for this show, according to WrestleTix. So, dude, John Cena made a big difference for the for the ticket sales for for this event and you just needed to scan through the audience this was a crowd that was there in their john cena gear there were the john cena signs i mean this guy was treated as the living legend on on this three-hour broadcast yeah with i mean with every kind of a you know um period of, of absence and with his continued success in the in in the mainstream his star just continues to grow and uh, at this point his star power is way beyond anybody currently on the roster um, for quite some time. He's getting to the level where, I mean, he's, I'm not, a, not at a Dwayne Johnson level, but like at a Steve Austin level in terms of, you know, at least uh, acceptance and how, how legendary I think he might feel to uh, an audience. So, yeah. I know we look at the, the average age of raw and it's, you know, it's, it's an older audience that you, you know, associate as like your attitude era viewers, but you know, for, for the younger audience that did not live through prime Austin or prime rock, like this is like their, their guy that they mm-hmm. have watched consistently and has been booked like a top end guy, probably for their entire fandom as well. And now he's entered that, that, that kind of air where he comes back and he's, he's bigger than everything else on the show. I mean, there are wrestlers now that I'm, I'm sure grew up watching John Cena as if he was their Hulk Hogan or their Bret Hart. So yeah, absolutely. Liv Morgan lives by his uh, his code. Mm-hmm. Everybody seems to in that locker room. We kick things off with a battle royal for the final spot in the Money in the Bank. We should mention off the top, the most pushed match, other than John Cena showing up, the match they pushed all week long, Kevin Owens and Ezekiel. It was Nothing. Ezekiel or Elias or Elrod, they said. Well, that was the main draw, and it was none of them. So they, so Elrod and Elias no showed. Seems like it. Yeah. We didn't even get Elias in the back. Well, apparently he was uh, showing Elrod in the uh, around. That's what that's what Ezekiel said. But yeah, like they only promoted really two things ahead of this and it was that match and also John Cena and they couldn't even deliver on it. On top of that, they had made that match um a qualifier for the money in the bank, which obviously it's not going to be the next time we see it. Now I was told uh about a month or so ago on on this very program that, you know, the worst thing you can do is not deliver what is advertised. I mean, they they let us down. They disappointed everybody. Well, as long as it, I mean, it's it's a mistake being made by them and not. Oh, then it's OK. Else, then then it's we fine. don't have to give a reason for why what you tuned in for you're not seeing tonight. And we're not going to tell you until the show's over. Well, it's not really a mistake if, if they make it, John. You know, okay. it's always always uh, it's, it's surprises and spontaneity. That's what, you know, this show is built on. I see. I understand. So, uh, well, they 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 deleted the match. So and, and I, I don't know what the reason was either. Um, yeah, we, we did. Ezekiel was, I mean, was the physically reason, there, but we never saw Kevin Owens. But I mean, I, I'm thinking the reason is because they wanted somebody else in the money in the bank match instead of either Elias or Kevin Owens. But there's still one more spot. But is this match going to be for for that spot, though, or are they going to put it on SmackDown for somebody else? I guess they'll have to put it on SmackDown because the show's on Saturday. Yeah. 
Right. So I'm guessing neither Elias nor Kevin Owens will be a part of that match. Uh, I guess not. I I mean, Raw people can show up on SmackDown, but uh, I don't know what they're going to do for the final spot. Yeah. yeah what about the know. cavalcade? We need, we have an empty spot. We got to fill that cavalcade for for SmackDown on Friday. All the Money in the Bank participants on SmackDown. Um, you, you know what? Maybe maybe they'll they'll do the cavalcade at the end, and we'll have our final entrant then. So the final spot, Battle Royal, features Ray and Dominic, Ziggler, Veer Mahan, Shanky, Champa, R Truth, Ricochet, Shinsuke, The Miz, AJ, Reggie, Akira Tozawa. Shelton Benjamin, Mustafa Ali, T-Bar, and Riddle. My observation here was that there's a lot of great talent on this roster, and none of them are booked on the pay-per-view on Saturday. Hmm. I mean, this is why they're in the Battle Royal. I guess. The last chance to get on this show. So, uh, Veer early on eliminates Tozawa and Benjamin. Then Ali and the Mysterios work together to throw out Veer after a double 619. Jinder throws out Shanky. Uh, we just get a bunch of eliminations here. Uh, Dominic goes for a clothesline. This actually looked really ugly with Ziggler and then ends up over the top. And Dominic awkwardly goes out, but Dolph hangs on. Uh, T-Bar tosses Ricochet, who lands on a ladder and then climbs back onto the apron and does a tilt-a-whirl head scissors, sending T-Bar off the apron to the floor, which was a very cool elimination. Um, at some point in here, Ray was knocked off the apron by Miz and Dolph, and it looked like he was trying to hold on to the barricade, but that one did not work out, and he just lands on the floor. He was gone. Riddle knocks Nakamura out with a kick off the apron, and we're down to Miz, Ricochet, AJ, and Riddle. And there's a spot where Miz comes off the top with a double axe handle and tweaks his knee and goes to the floor. This one was not as subtle as uh, Dax Harwood on Sunday. Um, a little bit less, sure. Yeah. Cameras on him. He's you know yelling. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ goes over the top for the phenomenal forearm. This is when Miz returns and yanks him off. And uh, in all of this, uh, Ricochet was thrown out too. Uh, Riddle's left with Miz, and they end up on the apron. Riddle is standing there as Miz runs at him and eats an RKO on the edge of the apron, and that eliminates Miz. So Riddle, after losing to Omos, is in the Money in the Bank ladder match. I mean, to me, it it makes me wonder if Riddle was always set to enter the Money in the Bank match or if they booked this match last minute as a way to get him in there. Um, I, you know, how much foresight do you really think this had when they, when they booked Kevin Owens and Ezekiel last week and, uh, and had, I I would venture to guess they, they did not have this planned a week ago. That'd be my guess. Yeah. um, They might not not have had it planned, you know, three hours before the show. Very, very true. It's three hours before the show. It's supposed to be Kevin Owens versus Ezekiel. So I'm, I mean, I'm glad they came to their senses because Riddle is somebody who certainly has been catching a great deal of momentum. I don't know what he would have been doing for Money in the Bank if 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 not for this. He would have been so, at home. Yeah, it makes me wonder. Like, maybe they're going to do the last chance thing on Friday, perhaps. Not really sure what, what's going on, but I, I feel like... Um, so this, this was like a second last chance battle royal. Well, I, we don't know how what match they're going to do for that I last guess. spot, right? But... um. You know, Riddle has been really hard coming off of the Roman thing and him losing the Omos, even though I think it totally made sense knowing how they book both uh, like giants versus people like Riddle. Um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense when I think there's so much value to be had with Riddle and prime spot coming off of that great Roman ma- match and program. So um, 
Riddle should have printed off that 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 quarter hour graphic of Brandon's and been wearing it as a T-shirt backstage. There you go. Yeah. What's that? What's that? Two point five million. Who was in that quarter at the end of the show? We know uh, Riddle and in Rollins have a program being set up. You know, presumably for SummerSlam. Oh right. So I would say, you know, um, what do you think are his chances of of winning money in the in the bank? Riddle. Um, yeah. Especially now with like Orton seemingly out. Um, trying to think who who the other prime candidates could be. Obviously, there's Drew. See, I, I, my, my gut goes towards like Rollins winning this might be, um, like the way they're setting things up with Cody. I think Rollins winning this has a lot of storyline implications for it, but you have to think of a way to get everyone excited before you rip it away. So Riddle winning the briefcase and then losing it to Rollins is a potential. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Possible. The Street Profits are in the back. John Cena is hanging out with them. And what, what do you think about the John Cena 2022? Um, the shirt? The, the new look. He's got the uh, the old uh, L.A. Raiders style hat with respect. Mm, okay. And then yeah. his, uh, his 8-bit yeah, video game 20-year shirt. You know, it's it's in black. And for a John Cena shirt, I mean, certainly it was not as fruity pebbles as we've seen in the past. You know, maybe they're recognizing that his audience is growing up. And not so much into the you know neon green shirts anymore. Um, so the street profits are asking for advice against the Usos, and they've never had an answer for the Bloodline. They've only beaten them by countout. And Cena lists off their tag title victories and tells them to never give up. And they get it; they understand the message. We had a bunch of video messages throughout the show. This probably got a lot of uh, interest from people. First, we hear from Shawn Michaels, then the Big Show. Not Paul White, the big show, as he is identified. Booker T sends in a message. Daniel Bryan, Trish Stratus, and Triple H, who calls him arguably the greatest superstar of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, hey, I thought I thought the Forbidden Door was last night. I mean, this was the real Forbidden Door, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, this was the, the for, Forbidden like FaceTime video. That's right, yeah. Yeah, no, it was cool. I mean, I think it kind of you know broke character so to speak to suggest that this is real life and they're you know it's it, it's it's just colleagues showing their respect for john cena also it reminds you that you know if you're in the wwe ecosystem you are going by your your wwe name oh of course of course yeah it was uh <laughs> brian danielson blackpool combat club <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Matthews interviews Riddle. He dedicates his win to Randy. He doubted himself after some bad luck recently, but John Cena told him to, to never give up. That's all Cena's advice was backstage. Never give up. Every catchphrase, basically, that he had. Yeah. There were a few people in these matches who gave up. Um, yeah. Zion submitted. Um, uh, Chad Gable, he gave up. Maybe Cena never spoke to her, specifically. Jay Uso and Montez Ford had a match. Uh, Dawkins runs over Jimmy on the floor. Jay then takes out Dawkins with a dive. Floor, Ford hits a dive on Jay. Lots of dives. And Ford hits his still unnamed splash off the top. Just look at the height. It's from the heavens, isn't it? They they have not been calling it from the heavens for the longest time. Like that no. used to always be the, uh, the signature that they would call it by. And hmm. I have not heard them call it in months. What do they have against from the heavens? Maybe he's atheist. Hmm. Okay. Or maybe, maybe maybe it's a Jimmy Smith call. Maybe he doesn't believe. Hmm. It's not literal. Montez Ford wins. 
Yeah, good in-ring, you know, uh, uh, but I just don't care. This is about like the 30th match in this program I've seen between these two teams. And we know that, you know, they're both incredibly impressive in-ring. Montez Ford, especially very physically impressive. Nothing bad to say about any of the in-ring, but I can only pay so much attention to these rematches. There's nothing they're fighting for. Nothing to suggest that what I'm watching in this match has any sort of role to Sunday. So it's just been a pretty stale pairing to me. The Mysterios, father and son, are hanging out in the back, and they walk into Finn Balor and Damian Priest, who just seem like two guys without anything going on now since the Edge attack. So they're in the back. Uh, Finn just says that, yeah, they're celebrating Cena's 20th anniversary. Well, Ray, it's almost your 20th anniversary. It's like, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he... uh, he did come into the company. He has left it as well several times during this 20 years. So, uh, yeah. you know, if you if you get married and you get divorced, but then you get back together. Is that a 20 year anniversary? If, if like you you split up at some point in there? Um, I feel like I would. Yeah, I feel like I would just keep the original just, date. OK, it's just water yeah. under the bridge. It's all I mean, part of the t- one one consensus timeline. Honestly, you probably shouldn't be celebrating at all, right? If if you left for a good chunk and then came back, yeah, you're um, back together. Reason. But you know we're we're celebrating the debut. That's at least like what I feel like today was his company to debut, not the man's debut. Yeah, the company, the WWE debut. Well, yes. listen, nothing else matters once yes. uh, once you're in the big leagues. Yes, let's. I, I hope they do a Ray 20th anniversary so that they can come out and say how when WCW went out of business, we didn't have a spot for you here, and Jim Ross told you to. Just rest up and maybe get in some indie dates, and we'll, we'll we'll take another look at you next year. And then you came in. Was that his deal? Like, did they like? Because he was making a lot of money, was he not? Like, was it more like uh, a reason for not wanting to pick up that contract, or you know, um, the, the like, way Jim was- Ross has described it is just like there was not an immediate role for for a Ray Mysterio, and a lot of guys pushed for Ray in the company, mm-hmm. and then. Because WCW goes out, what, March of 01, and it's not till July of the next year that, that Ray comes in. Best move he made, dude. Imagine if he stuck around for the invasion, like he avoided all that bullshit. Hey, and, and to WWE's credit, they they mm-hmm. did a great – it was a great idea putting him back in the mask. Yes, totally. So anyway, this leads to uh, Finn Balor and – priest pretty much trying to recruit dominic stating that you know you've you've accomplished all this ray so why what aren't you teaching dominic insinuating that he's been a failure and priest says that they're tired of people that are being led by the same old leaders and maybe it's not bad luck dominic maybe you have a bad father and ray does what any father would do he said not right now but in seven days let's have a tag team match in san diego and that is going to happen next week when we've got Raw on July the 4th, which will probably be among the lowest watched Raws in history. You think so? Even coming off of Money in the Bank? Um, because of the competition? July 4th just tanks every uh, single year. They did a brutal number last year. You are right that depending on what happens Saturday, maybe that will offset it somewhat. But I was thinking that they were, would announce a. When I heard this, I was like, maybe they'll set up some more stuff for next week. But uh, this is all we're going into. And then the fallout of the pay-per-view. But it is on the 4th of July. So next Monday is going to be – it's going to be a, a bad number. But we will see if they can offset any of it. Then we got the fr- – dude, the editing team at WWE, were they busy this week? Come up with every Cena retrospective possible. Mm-hmm. We start off with 
it's just like still shots of different moments of his career. The best one being out of context, seeing John Cena where it looks like he's opening up fire on an audience at WrestleMania with a Tommy gun at that Chicago WrestleMania. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just shot of him like with a trench coat and he's got a gun out that he's shooting off to people. I mean, if you don't know the context, it looks really weird. It's an entrance that I, I'm not sure if um, people would be co- as comfortable with today. Do you remember who was part of that entrance? One of the seconds? Oh, let me think about this. Uh, oh, man. No, tell me. CM Punk? The Second City ah, Saint? okay. He was yes. one of the extras Chicago. for that for that, for that that punk entrance. Yeah. There you go. Right. Yes. Then we go into a... We went from the still photo represe- retrospective to a video retrospective done to remember the name. And they're going through more of his classic moments, uh, make-a-wish uh, footage... And then it just turns into his promotional reel of all the movie he's, movies he's been in, interviews from celebrities. Uh, he's called a – he's a record 16-time champion and a clip from Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean this was all to be expected. You know, it's 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 um, in three minutes. Tell us about why – like what this person has accomplished and you get – you obviously you get the Kurt Angle debut and then – uh, little glimpses and pieces of all of his significant moments, which uh, are plentiful, of course. You know, there's a lot of footage for them to choose from. Um, it, it, I, it's like the type of thing where I, I, I realize, like, I'm, I'm not the target demo for like this thing. I get no warm, fuzzy feelings watching any of this stuff, um, and maybe that's just because I didn't necessarily grow up on it the way you know, like a younger fan might have. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Well, Kevin Patrick is in the ring. He brings out The Miz, and they show photos of Logan Paul training on Instagram. And The Miz announces that Miz and Logan Paul will return as a team at SummerSlam. So I think this year's SummerSlam is going to feature pretty much no one on on the like day to day roster except for a handful. It's it just was, it's, wasn't that the case with WrestleMania. I I mean th- this one to me is like really pronounced just based on the announcements so far. It's like man, it's it's Lesnar, it's Pat McAfee, and it's Logan Paul probably against the Miz. You're I'm thinking like this is just going to be a singles match. You think so? Okay. So, I mean, uh, unless they get new partners um, and you involve AJ or someone in this. But uh, the way this was set up, I mean, they, they bring up the angle uh, from WrestleMania where he lays out Logan Paul and Miz just says they're going to be future tag team champions and then ran down AJ, whose career he said is on a downward spiral. And uh, along with trying to get big or tiny balls over, um, AJ comes out and just decks him to end the segment. But the main the main thrust of this was uh, Logan Paul at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. We got the same names that we had for WrestleMania, you know, in this time. Um, I mean, when you, you're talking about a stadium show, I, 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 they're going to rely on celebrity, aren't they? 
You know, it's the same. And they've got tickets to move. Like, like they've sold like a good amount, but they have plenty left for Nissan Stadium. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it it is interesting to see. Like, obviously, this card will have a a larger makeup to it, but like it does, it really does feel like this is the strategy. Like our money matches are going Mm -hmm. to be like this is what we see as our big attractive matches that we want to get out immediately. And it's it's Reigns and Lesnar, it's Pat McAfee and Baron Corbin, and it's Logan Paul on the card in some form. Yeah, yeah. So AJ comes out. This leads to a match between the two. Miz puts his hands down to signify his big balls. I can't wait till the T-shirt comes out that he's got to wear. Um, you know, can't get worse than what testicles. Testicles. There was the uh, the Vince loves cock shirt. Mm-hmm. Sure. The classics. AJ missed a moonsault off the apron and. Then there's a Ushiguroshi, Miz sidesteps a phenomenal forearm, and then he hits a code breaker out of the corner. He then avoids a rack bomb, and Miz hits some of his it kicks and comes out of the corner with the Miz's version of a Busaiku knee. I awesome. couldn't believe what I was watching here. And then uh, I was waiting for a uh, cattle misolation. <laughs> Very good. He's got to save that for SummerSlam. Skull crushing finale gets countered with a roll up. Pele kick, brain buster by AJ. And somehow AJ, he comes up. He's cut open again. This guy can't catch a break. He's And this was the nose. It wasn't like the other cut was just reopened. Mm. This was a separate cut on his nose. Dude, he, people got to be more careful with this dude because he's getting wrecked in every one of his matches. You know, he does work a very physical style. Um, maybe that's it. Spoiler, you haven't seen the last man standing match. The pattern's going to continue for you. Oh, okay. Wow. And then phenomenal forearm, but Miz bails to the floor and he just walks out on the match. And the best part was he he's voluntarily walking out. He gets to the entrance to go to the back as the count is at nine. And then the announcers yell, he didn't even try to break the count. No, he did not try to break the count that he voluntarily began <laughs> <laughs> like that would have redeemed his honor if he had tried at nine to race back to the ring after leaving on his own power. But the announcers were stunned at the man not even trying to break the count as Miz was counted out. So, yeah, I guess the, your your question is obviously Logan Paul, you would assume will be on some some Raws coming up. And and what this what would you like to see? Like the singles match doesn't do a whole lot for me. But I think I think it's a terrible idea. I mean, I know you you were suggesting either singles or them having separate partners, but I saw the segment to be a bit of a you know retcon for the break the inexplicable breakup that they did uh, at, at WrestleMania, which I think to everybody felt like a very bad idea. You have in Logan Paul and The Miz two people who cannot be anything but heels, and to have try to try to force either one on on either side. It's a bad idea. Like Logan Paul is not a babyface, and that would not be. Well, honestly, for, for, for the betterment of the program, it probably is best to just forget that skull-crushing finale at Mania. That, um, and then have, have Paul turn on Miz after the match. Sure, why not? You know, okay, as, maybe as, maybe that. And who are your like, opponents? AJ and someone? I mean, for the quality of the match, absolutely. You know, I would have AJ and somebody else. Cena is in the back. Who, with who, his- who, maybe his, who, who's, a, who's another celebrity they can bring in, you know, to like to face Logan Paul? Uh, Tommy Fury. He's uh he's fighting uh Jake Paul. Tommy. Okay. No, that that one's probably hmm. not gonna work. Not for a for like a somebody beloved. Crowd. You know, somebody like the, actually like an influencer that's actually likable. Does, does one of them exist? 
Is that an oxymoron? Yeah, I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, Leave us your suggestions. Okay. An influencer that people like that can, mm-hmm. that hangs out with AJ Styles. Sure. Yes. Cena's with Ezekiel. Ezekiel says it's an honor to meet him. And he says Elias is here, but he's busy with Elrod. And he asks for some advice. And he's told to never forget who he really is. Trod with Elrod is is the thing for Elrod. Yeah, so. you can trod with Elrod, speak with Zeke, and walk with Elias. I, I got to say I'm disappointed. That was one of the things I was looking forward to the most on this show. Seeing the next chapter of this thing, I wanted to see, to see Elrod's debut. I wanted to Maybe see they Kevin forgot on. to pre-tape something and they realized we had promised Elrod and we can't, we can't do it tonight. Just throw the whole thing out the window. Yeah, the wig wasn't ready. Then as Ezekiel exits, Theory appears and he runs down Cena saying, everyone knows who I am. They should be celebrating me. I'm here each and every week. You're out of touch. You don't even know what A-Town Down means. I don't know what it means. A-Town Down. I'm 24. I'm the youngest United States champion ever. You weren't even in WWE when you were 24. What a what a dig at OVW here. I mean, he was kind of he was kind of like you know. He's I mean, he should have said like, <laughs> "I was two when you made your debut." Like that would have been the biggest insult of all to remind him how old he is. Damn, that's like wow. He's like almost twice his age. Yeah, he should he should have done the Julia Hart game yeah. when you debuted. <laughs> I couldn't even put words together. Yeah, and calls him a grown man wearing jorts, and as he goes for a selfie, Cena just walks off. This is a very big program for for theory. Um, it is, yeah. Um, you know, I think simply being on screen next to John Cena in the build-up to a SummerSlam match will do a lot for him. But at the moment, like seeing the raw material, it's just not there. The character to me is just so eh, flat. I'd want to be very careful with how often I do these types of programs with Cena because it will be diminishing returns. And I want to make like the person I pick – like it's it's really they obviously see theory in that spot and maybe it's going to get him to the next level. But um, yeah, that's that's going to be based on on his performances over the next month or so. More video messages coming in from Kurt Angle, Randy Orton, JBL, Chris Jericho getting identified by his AEW name. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yes. Stephanie McMahon and Steve Austin, who I mean, dude. Steve Austin, imagine him in his empty podcast uh, booth and he cuts this promo and he's got the whole arena chanting with him. I mean, this guy was just great. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, they they had a lot of names to choose from. And, you know, whether was there anything really particularly, um, I guess, uh, connected to Cena with with Paul White or Brian Danielson or Chris Jericho, you think? Like in the past... They're well-known opponents of his. I mean, Brian has the, uh, you know, the total Bellas connection as well. They were nearly brothers-in-law. I, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Because like years ago, they would not have even ventured to do this. Like we're talking about a company that's been that's been editing people out who of their opening packages or video packages or blur people's faces. Now they you know? now they now they edit Sasha Banks signs. Yes. Yes. Correct. Yeah. But um, no, I, I just found it interesting with the thinking here and the philosophy behind, you know, whether or not it was like them saying, hey, we can, you know, we're not bothered by this, this stuff. We're not bothered I, by the competition. I am sure that when Tony Khan has a similar idea, WWE will, will be more than more than open to allowing the same thing to happen on AEW programming. 
Oh, no, no doubt. Yes. If John Cena wanted to send a message. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it's happened. Sure. Yes. Bianca Belair is interviewed by Kevin Patrick in the ring, and she's facing Carmella on Saturday and says that Carmella will resort to dirty tricks because that's what she thinks she needs to do. She doesn't even respect herself. She has the potential to be great, but she's too insecure to see her own potential and talent. She has it, but she better bring it if she's going to step to her at Money in the Bank and suggest why wait till Saturday when we can do this tonight. And it was a very good promo, I thought, from Bianca. Mm -hmm. And Carmella comes out and says that the fans don't respect her because of how I look. She's a two-time Money in the Bank winner, a four-time tag champion. And at the end, she goes for a cheap shot, but Belair catches her and sends her out of the ring to the floor. Mm -hmm. yeah. This was the opposite of the Ronda Natalia segment where the champion built up the challenger instead of a, you're, you're a mid-card talent that's lucky to be attached to me to get this kind of main event spotlight. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I, I think that this tactic is always a bit better of a baby face to build an opponent up while simultaneously talking about their shortcomings. You know, we had Bianca Belair say, here say, you, like he's she's like the teacher or the guidance counselor you know who like i guess in some ways trying to motivate you by saying you could be great but you choose to fuck up and that's why you're not, you're not doing well in school um it was a strong promo you're, you're not a natural up. screw up you opt to be a screw up yes yes you decide to be a screw up every morning when you wake up yeah they can only do so much with carmella here in a pretty much two weeks time to try to you know make her feel like a credible challenger i don't think this was nearly enough but i mean it was a good segment yeah i mean you kind of give some leeway of the, the ripley situation out of their hands mm -hmm. it's you know i'm sure they're gonna have a fine match on on saturday uh, i don't know if it'll be much above fine but we'll see Sarah Schreiber is with Liv Morgan and Alexa Bliss. Alexa explains that the two of them are friendly, but she doesn't have friends around here. She doesn't trust anyone. She won money in the bank before, and she's going to win it again and get a matching briefcase for Lily. It's like, man, if this is the pay-per-view era, where's my credit card? Liv then says, I will be champion one day. And you're right. We're not friends because friends lift each other up. And I'm going to knock you down and climb the ladder. And if there's one thing I've learned from 20 years of John Cena, it's to step up and tell someone when their time is up. And my time is now. Which is funny because I was at the grocery store the other day and there was a guy at the checkout. And I went up to him and I informed him, hey, dude, your time is up. My time is now. Because sometimes uh, you've just got to step up and tell somebody. You know, I'd pay good money to see a video of somebody actually doing this in daily conversation, like <laughs> verbatim, you know, memorize the script and then just use it. It'd be a great way to diffuse the situation because people would just not know how to respond. The idea yeah. of someone speaking like a WWE character in everyday environments would be the funniest thing great. in the world oh like, you know there there are those guys who do the like the walmart videos right wrestling moves and daily life we need to see people speak like a wwe wrestler in real life yeah this is this is how we need to order the next time we like go out for food or something yeah, I'll, I'll, sure. I'll take i'll take the menu and instead of reading it like this i'm gonna read the menu i'd like to get the chicken fingers <laughs> oh boy yeah um those poor people at drive-thrus, they, they get enough. 
you know, please. Yeah. Uh, so I, I learned a bit more about the Alexa character from this little interaction here. You know, we, we learned that she doesn't have any friends. Um, she has a doll. Um, you know, I still don't know much. Does Liv have any it. friends either? Like your friends have left the company, so I don't know if she has any friends. I thought these two were friends. I mean, they seem friendly to me. She was going to live forever with uh, Rhea. Her, that friend turned on her. Uh, the and, and the Ballard, the Bullet Club, or so AJ and they, they left her too. Like everyone's left her. No one. I mean, listen. Maybe she's the problem. Maybe she was talking like this too much, and they just got tired of it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Your time so, is up, Liv. <laughs> the focus was clearly uh, in this segment and in the match coming up is on Liv Morgan. They are positioning her as one of the prime candidates to watch, at least on the babyface side for the Money in the Bank match. Conversely, like with Alexa, um, they're either kind of setting her up for, I don't know, some sort of significant turn, maybe. You know, they do do the thing where, like, they understate people ahead of the match and then just have them, you know, give a bit of a surprise win. So she's always going to be a candidate as well. Um, Then then Ricochet is in prime form (laughs) to wreck shop on saturday okay because they have very much understated him for a couple years now it's all coming to a head let it play out man let it play out okay john don't make up your mind right away but um i don't know if i'm expecting an alexa turn so much anymore because i don't know if they would have like broken them up quote unquote like in the segment like this i think i feel like if they were going to turn alexa on live they would have driven home the the friendship a little bit harder than they did today Then there was another John Cena Make-A-Wish video, and we go from that video to Vince McMahon, who comes out, and I swear to God, the comment, the, I think it's Jimmy Smith, the man who makes wishes come true here in WWE enters. That is awful. Just fucking awful. Uh, I I, I felt like, I I don't know. So tone deaf. I mean, fuck. I mean, this is like you labeled it and it is what it is like. It's this is like clear propaganda. And this was like Vince McMahon attaching to him to like the the most likable figure in in John Cena here on this on this show and introducing him. And as John Cena's coming out, if you're watching this, it's got like the uh, like the jib shot overneath over the the arena. And you Mm -hmm. just see Vince running on the floor away as John Cena's coming out. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And yeah, heroes welcome for Vince McMahon here, course, in L- yeah. here in Laredo. So um, mm-hmm. I, it would not surprise me if the, these the, like they missed it on, on SmackDown and Vince is going to be back to doing this. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Um, is that it? Or are we on the, on the oh, Cena segment? No, we have lots more on the Cena segment. He comes out and first of all, the entire locker room is out on either side of the ramp with Vince saying it's an honor and privilege to introduce John Cena. And he comes out. This is we we skipped over it at the beginning of the show. They just show earlier today and Mm. John Cena arrives at the building and he goes through the world's largest like greeting line for a wedding. I think every person was there. Dude, every person is just filed across ending with Michael Hayes. And it's everyone. Billy Kidman's there. It was almost like it was almost like awkward that he had to like shake hands with all these people who all had to smile and clap the whole time. It's like three minutes. Corey Graves is narrating this thing. Yeah, I was just kind of watching to see like who he was going to ignore. 
Um, and you know what? To his credit, he caught almost everybody. I think he like he, he he's a there's a lot of people. Person. Oh yeah, like you know, even like um yeah, said hi to Kidman. Even told uh, Hurricane stand back. Um, uh, the best thing though in this whole thing was Becky Lynch sitting on a crate, looking completely miserable, looking like she was forced to clap. You know, oh, I just that. staying in character. It's yeah. it's tough for those ones, and uh, Kevin Owens would have been a similar one, and he wasn't there. And Rollins, you know, I don't think Rollins was. I didn't see Rollins the there. Maybe yeah. they they spared Rollins from having to, and Rollins shouldn't have been part of something like that either. No, uh, I, yeah. I would argue Becky doesn't need to either. But it was uh, amusing just seeing her like basically be like forced and in, in to take part in this. So out comes Cena. He calls it his WWE birthday, and he always likes to look forward instead of looking back. But tonight's different. Everything about tonight is about the fans. And you have allowed me to do this for two decades. You've been brave enough to tell me when I suck and kind enough to say when I don't. He always has waited for the right time to say thank you. And now feels like that moment. And this whole place is chanting, thank you, Cena. They just love this man. He says, WWE has prepared me for anything. The fans, you, the people have made me a better human being, a better professional, a better husband, a better person. You have taught me empathy, compassion, and humility, as well as perseverance. And then reveals, you know, I'm 45 years old. And there were people in the audience who gasped. Like, no, it's like being told like Superman is a, like pays his taxes. And he's not <laughs> sure when he'll see them again in the ring. They're chanting one more match. He says, it'll be more than one match. And he's just not sure when it will be. And it's always about us. If you like something, say it. And if you hate something, say something about it. This crowd is probably like, okay. And he rallies Laredo to just go wild cheering and says, that's the sound of us. This guy was tremendous in this segment. Like I was, Laredo was about to elect this man as, as like their representative. I mean, you know, he's a great ambassador for this company and has been. And I think we'll go down as maybe being the best one if we're talking strictly on on those terms. There are so many guys that, you know, have had that top spot that have either, you know, embarrassed themselves um, or have simply left the company or have, you know, not necessarily represented the the company in their following endeavors. And I I just kind of feel like Cena... um, He's he's never had that big public dispute with, with the company. He has always been, you know, he has been their their soldier when when they've mm-hmm. needed him. And I mean they and to the same effect, like they have very much protected him and now are pretty much po- pointing at him as like they're branding him as the greatest of all time now. Yeah. Um I suppose, especially if you have access to the guy and he could still wrestle. I, I think promotion wise it it makes a lot of sense to do that, doesn't it? When you when you move tickets like this, you can you can have whatever moniker you want. So it, it was it was like a really nice segment, and no no angle in this. Like the theory stuff was limited to the back. I, mm-hmm. I thought for sure that we were getting something here, but um, yeah, I guess uh, time will tell of uh, where they move forward. Yeah, there's still plenty of time to do it, especially you know um, after SummerSlam. I think you you're at least sowing the seeds for one more match. And uh, tonight, maybe they just opted to give you more of a genuine, heartfelt speech from Cena. And it was. Bobby Lashley against Alpha Academy. Two-on-one handicap match with 
Theory as the outside referee. And Otis landed a splash on Lashley. They go through the break. Lashley would fight back, but Gable chop blocks the knee. There's a powerbomb moonsault combo. And then Otis goes for the Otis bomb and is stopped by Lashley, lifting him on his shoulders for an electric chair. And this crowd, they were amazed by this. They really got into this. And then Gable leaps off the top into the hurt lock and submits. Very strong ending. Like this crowd went nuts for the, the electric chair and then hurt lock submission. Agreed. Yeah, I thought this worked really well for Lashley. You know, the the two on one gave him a, a good obstacle for, to overcome. Uh, and Otis provided a really large object for him to lift. Um, and I feel like since the Omos feud, they may have they've had to be creative, really, to look for ways to, you know, have obstacles that feel that can make Bobby Lashley justifiably an underdog. And last week it was the handicapped or sorry, the gauntlet situation with the three on one this week, it was a handicap match. And I would say both have been successful. These audiences are getting into Bobby Lashley fighting from underneath. And uh, yeah, he continues to impress. And I think the booking has been good. Yeah. I mean, this, this was the best electric chair representation since Corey Graves and Sami Zayn on raw. Oh my choosing to forget that one. Theory attacks Lashley and Alpha Academy joins him. He goes for a selfie, but Lashley breaks free, breaks free, attacking Otis, spears Gable, and Theory escapes as the as the fans boo. And he didn't even try to come back to the dismay of the announcers. <laughs> didn't even try to come back. Then all of a sudden, we get an update from Cody Rhodes. I think this is something they should have promoted. A hundred percent. Like even like, even get that out today in the afternoon. Yeah. Cody Rhodes speaks for the first time. Like just yeah. get that out on social media today. I Something. Mean, this, this had to have been ready like at least several hours ahead of time, you know, like earlier than the Elias. Uh, this Kevin is way, they didn't even plug this like earlier in the night. It was like the third hour. They're just like up next. They do a recap yeah. of Hell in a Cell and suddenly you get Cody here. I just I don't understand. Like, I don't expect them to be promoting stuff days in advance, but you get something out the afternoon that can be effective, too. And we go to the rehab facility and he says that there's the highs and lows of rehab and it pales in comparison to where he was three weeks ago. And in Cody's mind, he was on top of the world at Hell in a Cell and he was going to parlay that into winning money in the bank. The guy was out of his mind and it's the better. It's the sledgehammer that has stopped this and cost him nine months of his career, which he Mm -hmm. says is the timeline he has been given and he is trying to respect that timeline of so nine, nine months. months would be what like March April, you know, yeah. over overestimating potentially like at least that's I think what we're we're thinking that they're doing. Yes, he goes through the participants in the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, compares Sheamus and Drew to Harley Race in terms of toughness. Omos doesn't even need a ladder. Sami Zayn, people focus on his subterfuge but they overlook his genius IQ. I think a lot of people don't give credit for the genius IQ compared to the subterfuge. We're always going on and on about the subterfuge. What does that mean? It means we got to like dial back some of these promos because this is a, this is Cody that that felt very mechanical in his descriptions. Seat used in order to achieve one goal. I could have sworn it was something you put in your refrigerator. Um, subterfuge. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thanks for the lesson. Seth had the most successful cash in ever. And wouldn't it be ironic 
if he grabbed the contract, the one that has eluded me my whole career, that would be something. If Rollins won and cashed in, and I would be the first one to congratulate him. Yeah, so still like selling that Rollins program. I mean, Rollins seems to have programs with everybody at this point, but this Cody one will will probably take a while for for them to revisit. I thought it was great that we got this little thing. If you remember, Cody was the spokesman for this Money in the Bank show, was he not? You know, guiding us through the stadium and everything. So to have him essentially kind of be our preview guide for the match, talking about the competition, but also just kind of reminding the audience about what 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 is going to take place here. I thought it was fantastic. I thought he came across really well. They have to walk a very fine line, though, when it comes to using him in these sort of situations. Because while I think it's important to kind of keep him, you know, in people's mind, um, you don't certainly don't want to overdo it. And I think you can do, overdo it really easily, you know, um, and create negative sentiment. Um, so I, I wonder what what the next time is that he'll, that he'll show up. But you know, occasionally to get these sort of updates, I think is a, is a healthy thing. Seth Rollins meets up with John Cena and is cackling to Cena's theme and reminds him about breaking his nose and then says that him him and Cena have a lot in common. They're international stars, they're fashion icons and past money in the bank winners, but noting Cena failed to cash in. He calls Cody a chump stain and then Owen Omos and MVP walk in and MVP says that Omos is going to win and Cena's just in awe the entire time staring at Omos and wishes Rollins good luck and he walks away. That was it. Mm. Basically, like Cena's role on the show was like, how are we going to use this celebrity's face next to all of our, you know, projects who nobody knows? Yeah. I mean, they they just attached them to what the street profits to Ezekiel, yeah. to Theory, to uh, Omos. Omos and MVP. Uh, yeah, they just put them all over. Mm-hmm. And the main event, no Owens and Ezekiel. Instead, we had an elimination. What a last chance elimination match. Yeah. We had to, we had to separate this from the battle royal. So it's Becky Lynch, Zia Lee, Nikki Ash, Dewdrop, Shayna Baszler, and Tamina. And Becky eliminates, uh, it was, who was the first one here? The manhandle slam Zia. eliminated Zia Lee. Then she submitted Nikki Ash with the disarmor. And Dewdrop just went on a rampage here, running everyone over with an avalanche. Then a Tower of Doom spot where she sent everyone off the turnbuckle. Baszler's got a knee bar on Tamina, but Dewdrop splashes Baszler and pins her. So we're down to three. Becky can't hit the manhandle slam to Tamina. So instead is hit with a Samoan drop. And Tamina climbs to the top for the, uh, for the Jimmy Snuka splash and Becky is like, she's in San Diego for Raw next Monday by the time Tamina comes off the top here. She is just long gone as Tamina is committed that maybe she'll find her way back and I'll hit her. Drew Drop hits a senton to Becky on the floor and then Drew Drop uh, misses the elbow coming off the turnbuckle. Uh, or sorry, hits it and pins Tamina. So we're down to Dewdrop and Becky. Dewdrop misses a Vader bomb. They fight on the turnbuckle. Becky hits a manhandle slam off the buckle. And Becky is going to Money in the Bank on Saturday. Fun match, I thought. Very fast paced as like these multi-women uh, matches tend to be entertaining. You had all the top names. Or at least um, you got a top name here in Becky Lynch into the Money in the Bank. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Raw. The John Cena 20th anniversary hey, celebration. I could say that, that they delivered on what they advertised. You know, yeah. this did feel like a John Cena celebration. On most of what they advertised. Right. Well, what, it's more than I could say for what was the last time they did one of these like celebration things? Um, trying oh, to think. They, they've done a lot of them. 
Randy Orton, like the Randy Orton one was sh- terrible. Like the Randy was, Orton segment. It was what, a promo? It was a promo and then just a match. I mean, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if you could, but it did not feel celebratory in the way this did. You had, you know, wraparound sort of commercial break video packages and then a, like a great, essentially like what felt like a bit like almost like a Hall of Fame induction type of speech. You know, um, it, it was very kind of heartwarming, especially for a longtime John Cena fan. And yeah, it felt special, which most segments on Raw do not. How are they going to do the Shelton Benjamin one at the end of the year? Is he celebrating his 20th as well? Man. When he was called up. I mean, we might have to watch main event for that one. I would tune in for it. Are you kidding me? You dedicate a whole edition of main event to Shelton. Okay. A Shelton Benjamin career retrospective. Charlie Haas shows up. Um, who else shows up? Brock shows up to main the, uh, event. The actress that played his mother. Yes. Yes. Um, I would tune in for that. Absolutely. Please do it. All right. They missed the Brock one. They could have done. Uh, they could have done this for Brock. That whole you know OVW class really like is oh, now oh, not the O oh, two oh, was like it was it was a lot of big call ups. Yeah, should we not have a OVW one night only at this point? Um, yeah, sure. One sure. night stand. Book the Davis Arena, and there you go. So there you go. Um, Raw in the books, and let's just look at the card here for uh, Money in the Bank. As I uh, look here, and I. Typed in the wrong year. So I was about to read you what happened in 2012. So we have uh, the men's money in the bank match has Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Omos, Sami Zayn, and Riddle with one more to be added. The women's match has all seven. Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, Asuka, Title Shotsky, and Becky Lynch. Ronda Rousey defending the women's title against Natalia, the Usos against the Street Profits, Theory against Bobby Lashley for the U.S. title, and Bianca Belair versus Carmella for the Raw women's title. Six matches so far, and I could see it capped at six. It's not like there's a whole lot of other programs that are going on uh, mm-hmm. to throw onto this card, and that's kind of... For, they can fit three hours. They can fit six matches across three hours, and if they come up short, that's okay. I mean, if AEW could fit 13 matches with bell-to-bell action in, what, five? <laughs> they could fit six, less than half of that. Well, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying they can extend six across three hours with all their video packages and stuff. Oh, like yes, they, can, yes. they can spread it out over, over the three hours um, that we're getting. But, hey, if, we're, if this is the format of no matches on the pre-show, so that's not really mandatory viewing, and you get three hours in and out, two, uh, two ladder matches that have some stakes attached to them, um, yeah, you we'll, you might be able to watch Stranger Things after all of it. I I might have two screens going. We'll see. Ooh. But yeah, no. Uh, as a card, I I feel like it. You know, for the most part, it's a bit of a typical WWE show. But the attraction is always going to be the Money in the Bank matches because they are usually very spectacular matches and they carry stakes attached to them. You know, the, whoever comes out of these tends to be next in line for a major championship run or at least a significant championship run. So this to me feels like uh, it's above certainly a B level pay-per-view show. Uh, and I, I think it's like, it's, it's close, close to the, close to the rumble in terms of at least like, you know, importance and knowing who's next in line. I agree with you that you do have the, the two ladder matches with the stakes, but I think once this got moved to the MGM, like th- this show to me felt like it, it it got reduced greatly in terms of its importance. Like Roman being off this show, um, the the fact that it's like it, it, this feels like a a lesser version of it, not one of their big shows. This is not a stadium level show. It's not being promoted like that. It's 
you know, they they lowered it. And but nonetheless, you'll have some entertaining matches on this show. So there you go. That will be Saturday night. So tune in right after Money in the Bank for our post show. Uh, but Tuesday, once again, coming up, we will have the post daily news show, including David Bixenspan joining us at one Eastern time, youtube.com slash post wrestling. And then Tuesday evening, rewind away number 113 TNA destination X 2012, which is on their YouTube from what I understand. That's right. If you go just type in destination X 2012 on YouTube and it comes up on the impact wrestling channel. So you can watch it free of charge. Mm-hmm. Although although they're not subtle about working in their ad breaks. Well, as you should, of course. You got it. It's smart. I mean, we do it ourselves. You might hear not one not- right now. <laughs> no, not just yet. Uh, we have one piece of feedback here from Alexander from Portland who says, this was an okay show tonight. Becky and Riddle make sense to both qualify and both seem like worthy contenders to win money in the bank. The main event fell flat and the crowd felt lifeless. But the match featured six women that all lost matches recently, so I don't blame them. Becky was over, but the remaining women felt like relative nobodies. Asuka was quite fun on commentary, and Liv picking up a win over Alexa felt like a smart decision. Moment of the night was Ezekiel and Cena meeting backstage. It's a shame that the Owens match was pulled because I really wanted to, to trod with Elrod. Which Money in the Bank match do you see closing the show? The men's match seems like it's the most heavily promoted one. But they did say... Whoever won Money in the Bank could go on to cash in. Oh, I guess not the same night because there's no title match. What am I thinking? There's no title matches. I mean, so the, the women, right. the women's match would make more sense to be early mm-hmm. and maybe go on first. And you do have the two women's matches coming up later in the show. True. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I will say this crowd, they were there to see John Cena. And mm-hmm. I don't think they were there for much anything else. And the ticket sales really reflected like like they were there for the main event of, of Cena. And the rest, yeah, there, there was definitely some some lifeless moments on the show, but they were there for one guy, and then they got the one guy. And look at this women's division and how poor of a job they've done of creating stars beyond one. I mean, maybe two in Asuka. Um, but like in that match, I mean, it was just, it's Becky was the only star in that one. All right. We're going to call it a day. Thanks to everybody for tuning in live in the uh, chat room and and abroad uh, tuning into rewind to raw. We are live here each and every Monday minutes after raw concludes, because after three hours you want another one. Well, or you might not watch raw at all and decide to tune in to us and which a lot of you guys do. So thank you for that as well. Very possible. All right, go check out postwrestling.com. A lot of great shows up this weekend. The forbidden door post show post pro res the NWA podcast. Lots of great shows uh, to catch as well, and as well as WrestleNomics as well. So go check out all of that, and we will speak with you on Tuesday.